Oh god, we're rolling. Welcome to X-rated movies. To X-rated movies. <laughs> Come to X-rated movie house experience. <laughs> this is a podcast by two old men who used to date, and now they complain about what ails us. <laughs> you know what I don't like? The youth. <laughs> <laughs> You don't like these new moving pictures, do you? Oh, they, I, th- I saw one the other day where the train was coming at me, and I th- I thought for sure the train was going to come through and run us all over. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really, really terrifying. I think I missed that one because huh. uh, I was too busy yelling at a cloud. Uh-huh. Who's laughing now? <laughs> it shut up. For the folks at home who are listening, for the listeners. Yeah. And not, I'm not just talking to you, Matt. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> for for the listeners just tuning in, who've, who've turned their dial, or however this podcast reaches Ju- them. Jumping in at episode 191. Uh, 191? Uh, plus something. Something. Uh, 194? Yeah, if we were 194 years old, we'd be old. Wow. Just, just I love a hypothetical stated as a fact. Yeah. But we're not, and that actually makes me feel better about my age. I'm feeling a little bad about my age these days because I hurt my back, and uh, it's just it's really made me infirm for the past couple of weeks. Well, as I, was as I mentioned the other day, I do feel like the past like three or four times that we've hung out, I've had to use the old. Uh, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was, and now it's it is weird and scary mm. to me. I should just. I should just grab that because I'm always letting you say it, and now I'm just going to use it as a drop. You're using it enough. I should yeah. put it in. Uh, yeah, you seem to think that uh, the arts community isn't what it was 20 years ago when you moved to Capitol Hill. Um, Skrillex is scary. <laughs> yeah, big powerhouse in the cultural zeitgeist. Skrillex. <laughs> Um, At least I TikTok. Like, I don't contribute to it, but I go into TikTok holes. You just want to see that guy who did that one dance thing that one time that I posted. Uh, I do subscribe to his. I knew it. Yeah, I knew it. None of his other videos are as good as that one, though. It is pretty good. I I saw a tweet the other day that used that that I was not happy with that said, like, when you're reading Lord of the Rings and Tom Bombadil shows up, and then they use that one, and I'm like, I hated Tom Bombadil. What was, what was your beef with Bombadil? He's just, I mean, those books suck. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. Wow. Uh, Hot take. Heard it here first. Shots fired. Um, oh. But the movies are great. The movies are great. I just think the books suck. And George R. R. Martin's rolling in his grave. Tom, B- <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, the thing is, is that they didn't include Harry Potter or Picard. That was the biggest problem. You mean they cut him out of the movie? Yeah. Oh. Those are my favorite parts of the book. And I didn't like the books. <laughs> and they replaced them all with Tom Bombadil? Yeah. Tom Bombadil was the Jedi, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the one who told the hobbits to use the Force. <laughs> oh. okay. All right. Now we're even referencing old memes. We're old. I know. Uh, maybe not, maybe not. You know, you know, it may seem old to us, but maybe there's like a, a youngling listening to this who's like, I don't know what they're talking about. Just look up uh, Picard saying, "Use the Force, Harry." Sign Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gandalf. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, I was just showing you that picture of a uh, sort of a bent over Willem Dafoe. Right. And it's, like, been circulating on Twitter recently. But I'm like, I saw this picture. Like, this picture was a meme, like, four years ago. So, like, everything that's old is new again? Everything will happen twice. Yeah, it's weird how stuff like that bubbles back up into people's consciousnesses. Well, there was some picture of Gina Davis at some award show. And she had a pretty bananas outfit on. Like, very flattering. It was, like, a full-body jumpsuit with, like sort of a, a dark teal shawl wrapped around it. Okay. Uh, and I, like, texted a friend of mine. Uh, I think it was actually Jen, Patreon, friend of the pod. Okay. And I was like, is it wrong that I love this? And she laughed, and she goes, oh, this is circulating again. Uh, so, like, apparently it was something that, I don't know, fashion Twitter was all about a couple years ago, and hmm. then, like, 
went to the wayside and someone discovered it and it bubbled back up again. Well, that's how it works, I suppose. What's something that you, uh, is the favorite part of your internet experience in the past that you would like to see bubble up again, Matt? Hmm. Well, I would definitely like to see the younglings of today lose their minds over uh, all your base or belong to us. Mm -hmm. The original meme. The original, yeah, the OG meme. (laughs) Yeah, if we could go back to that. I mean, that was, like, by today's meme standards, very long. Like, I remember that video being minutes long. Right. Which is way too long for something of that nature. Kids today don't have that long of an attention span yeah that was an odd one i don't know let's bring bean dad back i feel like we could all (laughs) that was in january (laughs) that was a lifetime ago ryan (laughs) i was gonna say that the um the cat who doesn't like his vegetables screaming at the the housewife lady i'm like is that already done are we done with that the housewife lady screaming at the cat that doesn't like its vegetables right 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 yeah that 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 one's been exhausted we've mined that one for all of its creative glory it'll be it'll be a few more years before that's uh hip and trendy again right we need a, a fresh new batch of twitter users and tiktok users before we can circle back to that meme. Okay, okay. Um, what about, what about, uh, uh, remember Nyan Cat? The cat that had a Pop-Tart for a body? No. There was like a song that went along with it. Uh, or oh. Hamsterdance.com. Everybody oh, remember Hamsterdance? Oh, man. That was like, you could, you could make a fake link. And be like, you know, ooh, $50 gift card to Amazon if you click this link and then go to hamsterdance.com. Mm-hmm. Or we want to go back to like the wild west of the internet when like people would post links to stuff and those links would be to like, you know, virus ridden sort of sites. And then uh, someone would would post uh, it's a trap like a, a Admiral Akbar oh. mm-hmm. in some variation. Uh you know, back when anything went on the internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not this well-regulated internet that we have today. <sighs> Thank goodness. Yeah, do you think uh, if we put out a tweet, let's say, a willy-nilly tweet, okay. that uh, was like, just got my morning kofifi. <laughs> like, do you think people will still remember what that's referencing? <laughs> I don't know, but we 100% have to try it. <laughs> Let's just see how that plays before. Let's get it before this episode <laughs> comes out, like you know, the week before, and then we'll we'll have like some metrics. Okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe we should come up with an alt Twitter account that's literally just <laughs> tweeting all the misspelled Trump tweets. So like we can do something about ham dirters and things like that. And see if people connect it to Trump or if they just think we can't spell. We'll call it willy-nilly. It can be willy-nilly. Yeah. And the and our picture can just be the clown emoji. <laughs> uh, for some reason I was, I'd always imagine willy-nilly being like uh, uh the paper clip from old windows. Oh my god. Clippy? <laughs> Clippy. Yeah. There's a meme that needs to come back. What happened to Clippy? He always helped me out. I thought he was annoying. I hated Clippy. Everybody hated Clippy. It looks like you're trying to make a resume. <laughs> Doesn't, isn't that a sound that seems like Clippy would do? Did you know that Microsoft Word can indent your paragraph for you? La, 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 la. Oh. And he was so he like it was graphic, and if your computer wasn't fast enough, it's like it you'd slow make it, down yeah. the whole thing. It's like, god damn it, go away, Clippy. It's like I know I misspelled that word. Lay off. <laughs> if you ever want to check your word count, just go up to this menu up here. La, la, la. There's like some way to like make him go away, but then if you like activated a new feature, he'd come back. It's like it's like no okay go away I got it thank you 
and then you'd be like, oh, I want to like customize the font here, and then you come back. Did you know that you could <laughs> make this bold and change the size? Like, I want to interview the person who invented, or the team that invented Clippy. <laughs> yeah, I've got some. I have some questions. <laughs> How does it feel <laughs> to be the most despised people in tech culture history? <laughs> Speaking of outdated, surreal nightmares. Nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I think we should talk about uh, today's movie. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you uh, introduce that movie for us, Ryan? Well, today's movie is the 2006 Guy Madden joint brand upon the brain. It's been a while since we've uh, been in uh, Madden territory. That's right. That's right. We're going back to the Great White North. But also staying in Seattle. It's a little combo of the two. I mentioned at some point in the last double feature, the Fastbender one, that we should do another Guy Madden. Or you said, like, let's get more Guy Maddens. And I was like, yeah, why not? We haven't done one since season two or three, somewhere in there. Season two. I think I'm two. pretty sure, yeah. Um, so let's do it. I love Guy Madden. You introduced me to Guy Madden. I did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I think so. I think you had me watch Cowards Bend the Knee. Okay. And that was my first exposure to Guy Madden, I'm pretty sure. Oh, right on. Maybe I'd seen Saddest Music in the World before that, but I don't think so. Okay. And uh, I was a big old fan. See, the nice thing about waiting so long between doing Guy Madden's is, like, I have no idea what we talked about on that first one. Couldn't tell you. So I feel like we can rehash any material we want. Perfect. Besides, we sounded like shit back then. So uh, now this is we're going to get a good Guy Madden recording. I mean, I suppose if you want to go back all the way to like episode 17 or whatever it was, yeah. uh, you can. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're not familiar with Guy Madden, he works in a very specific... Uh, uh, what's a... Uh, Style? Yeah. He likes his movies to be not just like silent era style, but like really early silent era movies. Yeah. I think in this one, he even mentions that he's sort of playing with like the time when talkies started to come around. Cause there is a moment or two in this where it's like someone is actually singing the song that's being played. Okay. So this production is very unique in that the original like showings of it, they'd show it and then it'd have like a live band doing the music a Foley artist doing some Foley and then an interlocutor, I think is how they say it. The what the for the narrator? Yeah, there'd be okay. a live person doing that too while this is all going on. Yeah, so I had heard about this movie before I knew what Guy Madden was. Okay, yeah, because it was a big deal here in Seattle. Yeah, I had a friend who, uh, like, he was like, Yeah, I, I went to like this weird like movie experience like with, with some friends the other day. It's like, there was like a small string orchestra and like a sound effects guy and like a live narrator while the movie was playing. And I was like, that sounds wild. And like three or four years went by before you introduced me to Guy Madden. I watched this movie and like connected that I was like, oh, this was the movie with the live theater experience. Yeah. This was made by a company i don't think they're around anymore called the film company okay. it's based here in seattle and the deal was like they would give you money to make a movie the only thing is you had to do it in seattle and with seattle actors okay and so they just they called up this was their second film i don't know what number one was but they called up guy madden and were just like you want to make a movie and he's like okay <laughs> i think the other catch was like we have to start filming in like six weeks or something like that. okay and um he was just like great the only problem was like he didn't know what to do so he sort of like made this up on the plane ride kind of okay sounds like and he just says that he didn't have time enough to make up stories about people so he just kind of pulled from his own life okay and um so yeah parts of this is really what happened to him yeah because there's a documentary on the dvd called like 97 percent truth yeah or something yeah yep. that's uh, why i'm getting this information oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, which I didn't have time to watch. I was I, like between you know peek behind the curtain here between recording our Oscar episode and this episode, I really had time for this movie and like nothing else. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, I had to like finish the movie this morning. Oh no! Yeah, like I watched like half of it last night. I was like, I'll never survive. <laughs> So, like, I got up a little early this morning and finished it. Because, like, last night, like, I, like, smoked a little bit and started watching. I'm like, I was like, this is so interesting. But I was like, I literally have no idea what's going on. Like, I cannot follow this movie. And so then watching, like, the second half with coffee, I was like, I don't know if just the second half makes more sense than the first half. But it's a very different experience with coffee versus pot. Yeah. So, if you go back and listen to the Coward's Bend the Knee episode, there was a part where I was explaining what's going on, and I just stopped, I think, and said, like, I don't even, I sound like a crazy person. And that's sort of one of the charms of Guy Madden movies, I think. Like, I was, while watching this one, I was like, oh my god, summarizing the plot of this, we're it's just going to sound so bananas. stuffed with just weird details. Because, like, there's, like little details that don't really seem to matter but are just there all the time Mm -hmm. like the kissing gloves only the wearer of these nifty little items is allowed to do any touching claims chance Romania 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 (laughs) Romania 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 these details are not like substantial to the plot like in a meaningful way but they recur. They're there. Like, uh-huh. they need to be, like, addressed if you're going to, like, go through, like, a start to finish of the plot. Yeah. And it's so twisty and weird. And they always are. They're always like this. I don't know. It's like catnip for me. I just, I can't get enough of it. Normally, this is, in any other movie, I'd be like, this is bizarre and stupid. Like, why would you throw this in? But when I'm already into this weird, strange, uh, silent movie-esque world... Like, yeah, throw all the batshit stuff at me you want. Okay. Like, this one is, it stars Guy Madden. A much a, handsomer a version. version of Guy Madden. I, 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 I have to be bitchy about it, <laughs> uh, of course. But This guy's handsome. And he's going back to his lighthouse island orphanage where he grew up. Which, I don't know how truthful that is about Guy Madden's yeah, real history. No. Well, he grew up in Winnipeg, so yeah. there's no islands there. But uh, I think emotionally is maybe some truth here. Sure. But his mother has asked him to put uh, two coats of paint on the lighthouse so that she may see it one more time before she dies all painted nicely. So going back to this lighthouse has, you know, as he's there painting, these memories come up. And so, like, you know, it's called, like, Memories in 12 Chapters or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just his childhood. And it was a weird one. Apparently, this, this well, guy yeah, Madden. As he recalls it, yeah. His mother was overbearing, and his father was a mad scientist of sorts. Well, it's like they ran an orphanage, and yeah, it, it seems like the, the father had like a hands-off approach to the orphanage, and so to compensate, the mother had like too much of a hands-on approach, uh-huh. and would threaten suicide to like keep the kids in line very passive aggressive yeah (laughs) if you don't eat your dinner i will kill myself (laughs) mother used suicide threats as a primary teaching aid she kept orphans and offspring alike in line with colorful bluffs she's very much like Lucille Bluth and the homosexuals. Right. <laughs> Everything I do is so dramatic and flamboyant. It just makes me want to set myself on fire. And yeah, very controlling and very strict on no sexy stuff. Yeah, which I mean, at least with her daughter. Yeah, well, I was like, it's an orphanage. It's mostly like young children. Yeah. Like I can I can see why you put the the kibosh on sexy stuff. But she has like a uh, telescope slash spotlight that she spins around in in her lighthouse in her lighthouse that uh when she sees bad goings on she yells into this arrow phone and well the arrow phone (laughs) here we go (laughs) invented by guy's father the arrow phone allows two people who love each other to communicate over great distances merely by speaking into or bending an ear toward the horn. The signal is strongest when the feelings are running high, when the communicants are deeply in love, 
but also during outbursts of extreme fury. Like, it sounds so stupid when you say it like that, but A, very fever dream logic. Yeah. Uh, but two, like, you know, you get to the back half of this movie and it's a little touching, like, yeah. some of the, the aerophone uh, uh, exchanges. Or, like, when it's utilized, like, when they're trying to communicate with. It's like, oh, Yeah. They're doing it because of, of high emotions. But yeah, it works, like, if you're angry, too. And so, like, she can communicate. The sound Through design on thing- it is pretty good, too. It sounds just like a... Like a... Like <laughs> talking it, while you're breathing in. I don't know. And it looks like, you know, the horn on a Victrola. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. But portable, yeah, like, poor guy has to carry one around with him wherever he goes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So that's sort of, like their life and then suddenly one day one part of a kid detective team shows up is it is it it's wendy hale the sister half of sibling teen detectives known around the world to readers of crime stories as the light bulb kids the light bulb kids right one half of them they're twins the girl but she decides to be a boy dressed like her brother. Which... Does her brother ever show up? Yeah, I didn't quite follow the logic as to why she disguises herself as a boy. Mm-hmm. But she does, but she's also, like, a lesbian. Or or because trans, I was thinking. I don't know. It's just, like, gender... Some sort of blending going on. Yeah. Because, yeah, she's a girl disguised as a boy but then has a crush on the sister and like they kiss passionately many times in this movie. Yeah. They don't address whether this is someone like who wants to be a boy or is just disguised as one to pass like uh, uh, with some authority in this place. I don't know. I don't know. It was, it's unclear. Yeah. But she's posing as her twin brother because she wants to figure out something. Some goings-on are happening at this orphanage that she's figuring out. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. And they come to find out eventually that the dad is stealing brain juice from the children. Nectar. Nectar. And selling it to someone. I don't know, because they like send off that those, those ruffians in the boat with we- like bottles of nectar. <laughs> Yeah, like, all the children at this orphanage have what look to be, like, gnarly injections. Like, they kind of look like either, like, really big vampire bites or just, like, really unappealing and or infected spider bites. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, like, a brand. Maybe. Well, I don't know. On the back of the head? It's on, like, the neck. Or, no, some of it is the head, yeah. Yeah. I thought that's what it, he was getting at. Like, it's a brand. Oh, I, I see. I figured brand upon the brain just kind of refers to, like, how memories are seared in. Probably both. Um, you know, things happen twice. <laughs> at least that that's how I took it. That it was just, like, and how memories, like, even, even ones that feel very solid in our brain are really sort of looser than we think they are. Sure. Like, the way neurons work, at least this is how I understand, is that, like, the more you remember something, the more that neural pathway gets, like, worn in. And, like, as you get older, it's harder to make new ones. I I was thinking about this the other day because there's a jingle I was able to recall. Oh, give them all a little pat of butter. Give them all a little pat of butter. Which was when they used to advertise butter in the 80s. And I'm like, why is that still in my brain? And it's like, oh, because I've been singing it for 30 plus years. But that's, like, a brand. That's where I'm going with that. Like uh, seared. Patton Oswalt has a bit about that in one of his stand-up routines where it's like he's able to recall these like radio jingles, no problem. And he's like, you know what I can't remember? I have taken two child CPR classes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, he's like, yeah, so if like my kid's like uh, asphyxiating on something, I will be able to recite verbatim the last scene of uh, Blade Runner, the, the tears in the rain speech. But uh, I won't remember if I'm supposed to, uh, like, press the heart or breathe into the lungs first. I'm now conflating, like, Guy Madden movies because 
I thought for sure there was more brains in this movie because I recently watched The Forbidden Room and I I that's the one oh, that has the brain. Oh, you're equating like the the derriere song? Yeah, the der- like the sh- I thought there was like brain shaving in this because it had brain in the title. Yeah. But no, that's The Forbidden Room I'm thinking of with the final derriere. Yeah. Guy Madden has twisted me. Well, I mean, A, Guy Madden you're not going to find a long shot in a Guy Madden movie. Like, that's just not his cup of tea. There's no wonners in oh, a Guy Madden movie. Oh, my movie. God, no. He, rapid cut, like, just lots of inserts, and it just kind of creates this fever dreamy aspect. Like, it's just snapshots of stuff, creating, like, the feeling of a time or, or place. Right. But, like, you know, you don't get like a good long view of anything it's not like the lighting's letting you see the whole set or everyone's costume it's like this is like you know i mean this does feel like 1910s styled silent film yeah like this is like fritz long's like early experimental stuff or something yeah there's definitely like a nod to nosferatu the old yeah the old silent film yeah, the murnau one mm-hmm. and um other german expressionists right <laughs> uh this is this one's fun because it's like he's definitely pulling from like the old silent kind of horror films which was i've never really noticed before so that's kind of cool. I think this movie is probably the most quintessential of his movies. Like, if I were to introduce someone to what Guy Madden is and what he's about, I think this is probably the best starting spot. Because he has movies, like, I would say Coward's Bend the Knee is closer in tone to, like, silent films. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it was a silent film. Yeah. Like, it, it's better at capturing, like, that feeling i guess i want to say or or like it looks closer to an actual like silent film from like the 1920s than this does i'd say like there's little modernist like inserts with color for instance uh or just like the use of sound is is more modern in mm-hmm. this uh but then you know like forbidden room is a lot more modern than this right. like it's, it's a departure yeah well, even the uh, uh, saddest music in the world is more modern than this, we'll say. Right. And so, like, this is, I feel like, the the middle point of his style. Like, he's got things on, on either end of the spectrum, and this kind of just lands right in the middle. I have a story. Um, I was dating a guy when this movie came out uh, and was, you know, going around. And uh, This was, what, 2006? 2006. It, it showed here in 2007. This We should say that this... So, when this toured with the live uh, orchestras and uh, different uh, narrators and such uh, like people like Crispin Glover did it. Um, Isabella Rossellini is the one who does it on the DVD here. I mean, the DVD though has narrated other people, doing other it. people yeah. narrating. I really, I'm going to go through and watch it. I know, but like um, the main one is Isabella Rossellini. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it toured for a while. And like he would use local people to do like local musicians or in local foley artists or and whoever could do that stuff uh as the thing toured which i think is really cool but finally they made this cut and that toured and when that was going around it played at the northwest film forum and i was dating a guy at the time and it's like i really want to go see this and i'm like have you ever heard of guy madden he's like no I was like, cool. And we were right at that, like, still kind of at the early stages of the relationship where I was like, this is a make or break it moment. <laughs> <laughs> if we leave and he's confused or doesn't like it, this is not going to, I don't think this is it. But I was like, I like him enough. We'll try it. We went. And I remember, like, pretty early on, just sort of like looking over and being like, yeah. Ah. And he was like, you know, he was just watching. And then afterwards, when we got out, he was, I said, what'd you think? He's like, oh, I loved it. Oh. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And I think you're right. I think that like it, it hits that nice because there is a n- very easy narrative plot to follow. It's it's linear. I don't know if I'd use the word easy, but <laughs> it's linear. You yeah, know? we're not. I mean, Forbidden Room's all over the map, and like, my, oh yeah, Forbidden Room is not easy in that sense. My Winnipeg jumps between like the time all the time. Yeah, so, uh, even Coward's Bend the Knee I think jumps between time periods. So like, it's harder. This one is all in the past like yeah it's all just his memory 
uh, except for like the beginning and the end. And I think that's pretty clear. So it's easy to follow in that regard. But it is, yeah, quintessential Madden. Yeah, too. yeah. And because it's not as like tough narratively as as Forbidden Room, it does give like the casual viewer at least something to latch on to. Mm-hmm. Like even though like I would have trouble relaying the plot and the the smaller details like right now, like I'm just like oh then this and then this and then that. Yeah, it still kind of fe- makes emotional sense while you're watching it. I feel like oh yeah, you don't feel lost when you're watching the movie. Where Forbidden Room, I feel like you do kind of feel lost, but that's kind of part of it, like you're supposed to. Yeah. But uh, then you get found again. That's what's fun. Yeah. In that one. Yeah. If you ask, like, we still haven't even summed up, really, the movie. Like, we haven't talked about the mom's story with her twins. The dad gets killed at one point. Right. Like, uh... There's just it's so dense and like things happen so quickly. Well, like it would take us like ninety because like they're basically going through the plot at the speed that it takes to explain the plot. Right. Like there's not a lot of rest. Like we'll talk like if we were to talk about the movie and hit all the details start to finish, I think that would just take us ninety minutes (laughs) because like that's like how long it takes us to like see and for Isabella Rosalini to explain like you know in conjunction. And, like, I don't think I Madden cares that much about, like, a cohesive plot. Like, I think he wants us to just feel it as we go. Well, in that 97% true documentary, he mentions that, like, on the plane ride here, he was leafing through something and that had something on um, kid detectives. Okay. And he wrote that down on a post and he's like, let's, let's throw that in there. So, like, it wasn't even, like, he hadn't planned that. He's yeah. just like, yeah, let's put kid detectives in it. So, it's like, I feel like it's very... He's just grabbing what comes subconsciously to him. Yeah. Because they do feel like sort of dreamlike. Like you've mentioned, you you said that word, I think, earlier. And like, it just feels very subconscious kind of bubbling up. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, this is, this works like, you know, like a surrealist almost. Yeah. And I think like, like, A, he seems just wildly imaginative. He's not an A to B thinker. Like... His mind takes, like, the scenic route, but it takes the scenic route as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Just because, yes, the the ideas that get worked in, like, the movie, like, goes from, like, irreverent and fun to really sad sometimes. Like, later on, when, like, after the father dies, and, like, there's that line, it's like, It takes the weight of many orphans to keep father's casket in the earth. Oh, my God. And that is a real memory of his mom. His mom actually had to bury their dad, and they buried him at high tide, and it took people, like, standing on the coffin to get it to sink. They buried him at high tide? Apparently. On the beach? Apparently. He yeah. said he said that, that was a, that's the story his mom told him about her dad dying. Oh, boy. Yeah, and he said, you know, the part where like the dad's all like cadavered out. Yeah, and, I mean, with we, his balls hanging. I guess I'll ching it. <laughs> but <laughs> Guy Madden likes his full frontal male nudity. All right, put a pin in it. We're gonna get to the queer stuff. Okay. But okay. Um, the uh, he said that that was also part of it. Like they had to cut. He, rigor mortis had set in on on her dad, but she and her mom had to come and like cut his clothes off. And then, like, Ugh. break his arms back down and tie them down so they wouldn't, like, move into those positions. What? Yeah. He said that's a real thing his mom told him. Boy, something tells me that his mom might have been just as fantastical as he is. Like, I just, I can't, like, maybe beach funerals are a thing. It just does not sound practical. Maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was just, like, high water table or something. I don't know. That just sounds strange, though. Yeah. Real quick, rewind. I think his movies... hes He himself is not queer, as far as I know, but his movies have such a queer sensibility. Yeah, part of me is, like, do, does he just think that, like, you know, male nudity's funny? Because, like, I, I feel like almost all of his movies have yeah, full frontal yeah. male nudity. Like, this one does. Coward's Bend the Knee definitely does. I feel like Forbidden Room, maybe not full frontal male nudity. You do see, I know you see Dick in that, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, is it 
Pit Pocket? What's the name of that one? Oh, Keyhole. Keyhole. Yeah. That one's got full frontal in it. My Winnipeg has lots of nudity in it. Yeah. I don't know if, if Saddest Music in the World does. That might be the one exception. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not necessarily presented as sexy. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, often I feel. it's not, I guess. Or like Sissy Boy Slap Fight yeah, is, right. a, is a short that he's made. And yeah. It's like he, he has this sort of queer bent. And this movie, too, like there's the like lesbian or trans relationship that's going on. And it's like he always like includes that. And it makes me just wonder, since his films are so personal, like where's that coming from, from someone who's been like married to women? Yeah, he's he's got at least a fascination with it at the very least. Yeah. Because like if you've seen Sissy Boy Slap Fight, all like 90 seconds of it or whatever. It's one of the gayest things I've ever seen. Is it? Like, it just kind of feels like two dudes slapping each other. There's a whole bunch of dudes slapping each other, and they slap each other's butts and stuff. <laughs> boys, boys, boys. I turn my back, and there you are, slapping each other again. I couldn't trust any of you for a minute. Yeah, th- there is something queer. Because, I mean, there's, like, boobies and stuff, too. That's true, yeah. But it's never quite shown in the same way. Like, here... Like, was it after the mother, like, de-ages 20 years and she's sort of sanding, like, Venus de Milo style? She's, like, tastefully nude. Yeah. Whereas, like, the full frontal male nudity, it's like guys are jumping up and down. Or it's like, yeah, they're lying dead on the ground in rigor mortis with, like, their balls hanging, like, right there. Like, it's unattractive and they've, like being given actions that like draw attention to like floppy dongs uh which is like that's a thing like i yeah in keyhole i remember it's like there's like this vision of like an old naked man like walking around and it's Mm -hmm. just like it's not just that they're naked it's like he wants the dongs to flop and he wants like the testicles to hang low if i remember correctly in my winnipeg he's talking about the swimming pool and in the locker room he had to go in and shower and because of his height at the time like all the penises were like eye level in the shower so maybe like that's like just a memory that like imprinted on him because i feel like in cowards bend the knee there's a shower scene right because he has the hands and he touches the butt right and the buzzer sound (laughs) right but like the camera doesn't show like anyone above the chest like it's all just kind of like focus from like knee to sternum uh-huh. on like the naked dongs and butts well and in this movie he makes sure to include the mom's face in the shot with the like penis at center frame because mm-hmm. she's like tying him and she has to lean over and i think it's like he's trying to say that like the indignity of it and how awkward it must be for her to have to like do that with this dead floppy dong in her face Maybe. which makes it a little sad it's hard to get a read it's like does he just think dongs are funny well i mean you could D- use mine it for pathos or mine it for laughs i suppose yeah well because yeah or or it's like does he just feel that like if women are getting naked it should be equal opportunity nudity like which is how i kind of feel on the matter mm-hmm. or is it like yeah that like when you're naked you're vulnerable and like that's a different type of emotion yeah I thought when you mentioned the mom earlier, I thought you were going to mention the part when uh, he's distracting her so that his sister and the kid detective can have sex, and the mom gets overcome with emotion and starts kissing his little tukus. Oh, yeah. Mommy's little tukus. And uh, that's definitely, well, I don't know. Is that funny? I mean, I laughed, but (laughs) now I'm, like, questioning it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a weird, like, he... He uses nudity in, like, these just weird way. Like, he uses them in, like, any ways but sexual. Yeah. Like, no one ever gets nude and then it's, like, supposed to be erotic. Mm-mm. Like, they're nude and it's sad because they're dead. Or it, they're nude and it's weird because it's a dream or a, a flashback. Or, or the, it's, like, a surprise that it's not a boy, it's a girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or that they're nude and it's funny. Like, yeah, like, yeah. nudity's in, like, any situation except for sexual in his movies. Yeah. And it's not like his movies, like, shy away from sex, I want to say. They're just not, like, a defining feature. Mm-hmm. But there's, and not even just sex, like, there's a queerness in that, like, 
guy, the boy in this movie, sort of has a boy crush on Chase, the kid detective. Yeah. Who's actually a girl posing as... But feels that Chase is a real cool guy. That's kind of the read I get. And that's interesting because it's like, it is still... If we're not saying that they're a trans person, that is still a girl that he actually is having these feelings for. But then when he discovers that she is a girl, he's so confused that he just faints. I feel like Guy faints a lot in this movie. (laughs) Sure does. Like, I feel like the phrase, like, uh, uh, it was too much for Guy (laughs) happens, like, four or five times in this movie. I love all the little... what, What are they called? The, like... Nate plates that come up that are just the words. title cards. Oh, is that what they are? Yeah, there's some choice ones in this movie, like dinner grim as usual or something like that. Oh yeah, or like uh, there's one after they have the fight, the mom and the daughter, and like they throw butter and it ends in the wall, and it's like spoils of war. And like he like <laughs> takes a cracker too, and it's like good for dipping. <laughs> yeah, like, they were cracking me up. I and I think I did mention this in our cowards bend the knee episode, but it's like. Part of me is like, is Guy Madden like making these movies up as he goes? Like he finds the scene like on set that day, or does he like storyboard it out and like try and hit like a, a, a goal? Like he's got something in mind that he's trying to achieve, and there must have been something uh, like behind the scenes and cowards bend the knee. But it like shows like the full storyboard, and it's like he roughly maps out the movie and like what he wants out of it before they start filming. I mean, that's insane to me. Like all this stuff is like worked out ahead of time, (laughs) which I'm just like, how, but it's like different storyboards for like different title cards. And like, you know, I want this scene to look like this and it's got to cut to that. And and, like, it wasn't like storyboarded the way that we think of storyboarding, like a room with 10,000 cards pinned up. It was like, he had a piece of paper that just had a bunch of like, squares on it mm-hmm. and he just had little images in like 500 of these squares I mean to watch this movie it feels like he's making it up as he goes along yeah like if a little kid tells you a story it would be something similar to this oh, like, to- that's and what- then the dog flew the airplane and the airplane was and then the mom put the nectarine in her and she grew younger by 20 years which i was like that's more than 20 years like that <laughs> that's like a 40 year de-aging there like yeah i, did, I loved the aging raging is a- equals aging <laughs> mm-hmm. make sure of that shortly after like the funeral scene it was like when the mother was like injecting the nectar into her uh-huh. and the line uh Nectarine Jolt just south of Romania. Yeah. <laughs> Romania, Romania, Romania. <laughs> Romania, Romania, Romania. I was wondering while watching this, I was like, if you didn't have Isabella Rossellini jumping in once in a while, because the narration isn't constant. It, no, it, there's it, like, like long bouts where there's no narration, I noticed. Yeah, and sometimes she's not even like narrating, she's she's saying like lines for people or screaming for someone. It's interesting. Cause it's like, it doesn't follow like a, what you'd think a traditional narrator would be doing. Yeah. Um, and apparently it's, he's basing it off of like Japanese silent film, uh, tradition. Really? Yeah. Like they used to have somebody who was called, I can't remember what they were called, but there's a word for it. And, they actually formed a union uh, to keep talkies from happening in Japan. So that's why talkies didn't happen for like eight years later in Japan than they did here. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but he said it's more that style that he was doing with this. Boy, what do you think that like movie night at the Madden house is like? Oh, who knows? I looked at his criterion top 10 and it's like, Oh yeah, I did too. Sounds... <sighs> Some of these sound real rough. Like I don't want to, I don't want to sit and watch uh uh, Ivan the Terrible Part Two, the uh, Eisenstein, the Eisenstein movie. <laughs> movie? Uh, or maybe I do. I don't know. He likes a uh, Black Narcissus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, Great Gardens was on there. I remember he wrote the booklet notes for I Married a Witch. I don't remember if that was in his top ten. Uh, though. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know that Hexen is though. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like that's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. 
but yeah, I I I just wonder like you go over to Guy Madden's house, you know, you couple you throw a couple uh, high noons back, <laughs> um, and what's he what's he gonna throw on? Is he gonna get out like a reel to reel and like. This is a Japanese silent film from 1921. I happen to have the in, the interlocutor script right yeah. in front of me. I will be providing that part. And my wife will be on the, the Wurlitzer organ providing <laughs> accompaniments. That sounds cool, actually. I don't like, know. Like, I'm down for it. Like, the movie's probably not going to be that long. It's probably going to be like a 20-minute movie or something. But <laughs> Guy Madden reciting in Japanese, like, whatever's going on in the movie. I like it. Like, I just feel like, you know, he's not going to be like, let's watch Tenant tonight. I mean, he has this sensibility and he has an understanding of the language of silent film. And the more I watch his movies, the more I kind of understand what he's doing with that. Where it's like, you know, movies these days are so interested in, like, plot and making sense logically that... Like, back then, it was more about, can we convey emotion sure. with this material? And, like, you know, it was all about looks. And you'd have to get your emotion across that way. Yeah, I noticed with this movie, it was, like, because it's so sort of abstract. Like, it's not totally surreal. Like, there's, there's like, a thread of logic running through all this. But at the same time, like, to me, at least, it kind of, like, detached myself. Like... Because I couldn't treat this as, like, a logical Earthbound movie, you kind of have to, like, be game for whatever is being thrown at you. Right. And I think that's why, like, I, like, was, like, so kind of moved by, like, the funeral scene and then, like, would laugh, like, at the next scene. It's, like, you kind of have to have, like, a little emotional abandon with this movie. Definitely. Or with any Guy Madden movie. Definitely. You, you have to approach it being game for whatever is thrown at you whenever it's thrown at you a little bit. And I don't know, it you kinda have to almost be like vulnerable. Like you 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 have to like let yourself be open to it. Yeah. That's a good point. I think that's what I like about his movies is because I I get so sucked into their world that it doesn't matter what mood I was in, by the end of the movie I'm in that mood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. I've been on this crazy roller coaster and I don't know. I think I think that's part of the reason. Because one of the questions I was asking myself while watching this was, was like, why do I like this? <laughs> this is so strange. And I mean, I love I love him. And I always have. And I just I can't really explain why. But that's maybe it is that like they're just their own worlds. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's he doesn't make everyday movies like I, I you know, Guy Madden. Like I, I like a lot of it. I own this movie. But, like, they kind of ask something from you. This isn't, like, a Dangerous Liaisons where you can pop it on any time and kind of be sucked into it. This movie kind of asks something from you, and that is for, like, you to, like, put, like, your defenses down a little bit and just sort of join for the ride. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, like, on, on an accessibility level, like, this isn't the most, like, penetratable but it's not his least penetrative <laughs> yeah um, probably status music in the world is his most accessible, accessible. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> we can still use penetration yeah it's the penetratable because <laughs> yeah th- this doesn't ask too much of me but it still asks a little bit and then that's why like i kind of got sleepy last night i was just mm-hmm. like i can't meet the movie on its own terms a little bit like, sure i need to wake up and get coffee to meet the movie halfway i feel that i feel that i kind of do want to rewatch this with some of the other narrators i was gonna say i was gonna ask you if you have i listened to part of the crispin glover one and his is more somber romania 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 which sort of makes sense i was like isabel rosalini she seems more cheerful more chipper mm-hmm. and crispin glover is a little bit more somber but like Sh- okay. go for it. i was gonna say she's in uh, saddest music in the world. Yeah, and she has such a face for Guide Madden movies. Like, well, I don't know if we talked about this on Cowards by the Knee or not, but like you once asked, like who looks like they belong in a Guy Madden movie? Like there's a specific type that yes. looks like they belong in one of his movies, 
And one of them, what's the guy's name, who's in his movies, is a narrator. Uh, like, oh, I know who you're talking about. He's in Cowards Bend the Knee. He's in um, he's like the Forbidden o- Room. He's, yeah, he's the opening guy in Forbidden Room. Yeah, the fart, the fart tub. Louis Negan? Negan? Okay. I'll bet that's good. He's got a great voice. Yeah, but like that to me is like the quintessential like uh, uh, guy experience, Madden, <laughs> like supporting role. Like, yeah. he just looks yeah. So it's like there's narration tracks by Isabel Rosalini, Laurie Anderson, <gasps> John Ashbury, Crispin Glover, Guy Madden does one himself, Louis Negan, and then Eli Wallach. Who I'm like, wow, like the ugly from Good Ben the Ugly. Wow. He was like 97 or something when he would have recorded that because he was old as hell. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so uh, some of them are live, though, like the Crispin Glover one's live. So when you watch it to the end, there's, like, applause and everything like that. There's a scream that Isabella Rossellini does at one point when she's, like, screaming for the mom. Oh, yeah. And when that happened, I was like, oh, I really want to hear Crispin Glover do this part. So, yeah, that's, like, a fun little addition to the DVD to have, like, seven different uh, narration tracks. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see. This one um, has songs in it, and I feel like that's a new addition that I like. Like, when the mom dies, the kids are like, we are orphans. We are orphans. <laughs> made me laugh and then once i think it's when after they've like banished the mom from the island then the daughter sings a song okay yeah it's sort of arresting because nothing has like matched up sound and image wise until those songs happen okay and I don't know. It was like it was kind of a jolt for me watching it this time. And it made me kind of wish that he did it more often. I he, guess this is like a middle ground because he's done talkies before, but Yeah, and he has he directed this weird I don't know if it was a ballet beforehand, but like it's this film ballet of like the story of Dracula oh. set entirely to Mahler's Second Symphony. Okay. I haven't seen it in years, but it it was very bizarre. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's like all these like dancers like synced up to like this music, and then like yeah, he directed. I mean, the symphony is very long; it's like seventy minutes or something. But yeah, I mean, the music here I I really like because it, it it's a little bit more modern. Like it has like a minimalist quality to it, so it's like you wouldn't hear this type of music in like a twenty silent film. Right. I have a fun fact about the composer. Yeah. So because this film company you know stipulated you have to use all seattle based people this person lives in seattle or lived in seattle and you might remember a guest of ours on the podcast kevin clark (laughs) he and i were in a short film together and the music for that was done by this composer oh really yeah and his name is jason stazak how about that Well, you know, I was poking fun at you a little bit for saying that there's not, like, an art scene in Seattle. Like, you feel that there's not an art scene in Seattle the way that there was, like, 20 years ago. I remember hearing something that there was, like, a change in the tax code that, like, essentially, like, squelched filmmaking in Washington. Taxes here are so high to film here. Right. And so I don't know exactly what the change was, but... This would be a good example. I don't uh, like. I feel like if something like this was going on, I'd still know about it. Like I could be wrong. Let me know if I'm wrong. I'd happy, I'd happily be proved to be wrong on this one. <laughs> but like, this is the sort of thing that like I would kind of miss or want to be involved in in some way. Oh yeah. That like if there was still this going on, definitely. Because can you imagine touring with like Guy Madden and and Crispin Glover or Isabella Rosalini to like I mean, get this mounted and performed and and like you know I don't know if like I don't think this played in Poughkeepsie but you know maybe along the West Coast or something and I, I know Northwest Film Forum still works with Guy Madden like they had a thing I really wanted to go this was a couple of years ago now where it was like. 
I'm probably butchering this, but it was some sort of art project where it was like film that was randomly spliced together. Okay. And as it plays, it destroys the film. So you can only watch it once. Okay. Yeah. And it was edited. I want a guy Madden had a hand in it somehow. Okay. But, um, so I imagine it's just like these little short, random Guy Madden films that you can only see in that moment and then it's destroyed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's, I mean, this movie, when it was originally conceived, you know, had the element of you had to be there for it. Right. And so, you know, he includes that sort of arty thing. Like, And Cowards Bend the Knee was originally like, 10 peepholes like you watch it through 10 peepholes so oh kind of right yeah like it like his his films are always like part art installation yeah like, yeah which is cool like i there's i'd love to be a part of one of those but like also i like just watching this here in my house you know yeah oh i mean i would love like if like you know now defunct r.i.p cinerama did like brand upon the brain in, oh my like, god a big theater like that yeah. like that'd be so cool yeah you can get a good size orchestra up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I think they can play movies at like Macaw Hall. Like, oh my god, like they could have like a full symphony there. Yeah, the composer whose name is Jason Stanzak said that he had to uh, cut back because he could only fit so many people into. This. Oh right. So it, like the absolutely. piano's doing a lot of the work of what he wanted to have the score be. Like, oh, what if he used the full score of it? Yeah, yeah, be amazing. Yeah, and it it does, like, I feel like I missed out on something, like, you know, I heard, like, a friend of a friend saw this movie, and, like, you know, having loved avant-garde music, like, I also am fearful, like, when the concept sounds good, the actual product is usually awful. Yeah. And, like, this is one of those things where I'm like, that concept sounds really fun, but I think, like, only Guy Madden could, like, make the product something that I'd want to watch. Yeah. And, yeah, so it makes me kind of sad that I missed it. He's still around. He's still making stuff. He is. You watched The Green Fog. I did, and I recommend it if you watch Vertigo first. Okay, yeah. Also, he has a Vimeo page, and that's where you can watch The Green Fog. But uh, I checked it out today, and he's posted a bunch of stuff since then. Hmm. And mostly it's of his little dog doing stuff. Oh, okay. They're like short little 20-minute video or 20-second videos. Oh, well, uh, uh, it's good to know he's keeping busy during these uh, trying times. Yeah, yeah. He's a real person with a dog. Yeah, I saw Keyhole. Maybe it was at SIF. Wasn't the biggest fan of Keyhole. No, I don't. That like of all the movies that he's done, that's like the least likely that like we do for the podcast. Probably. But there was like a you know it wasn't called Zoom back then, but it was essentially like a Zoom Q and A with him, where oh. like he was like at home and like answer questions from the audience and stuff like that uh, cool. via a, a a link. Did you use the information superhighway for that? Yeah, we, we used the worldwide peacock feathers oh, okay. to, to get that one in. But, you know, it was just, like, interesting to hear him talk about, like, why he typically works in black and white and stuff like that. That he's just, like, there's so much to think about with a movie that, like, color isn't what I want to think about. And what he used as an example was uh, Don't Look Now, the uh, Nicholas Roge movie oh, uh-huh, with yeah. Donald Sutherland. And he, he's like, because, like, if you've seen that movie, the ending is very red. And so, like, I just felt like if I, like, did things in color and there was a red couch, then I'd have to, like, tie that couch into, the, like, the movie if the movie was going to be red. He's like, it's just, I don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's like, I just want to work in black and white and just focus on, you know, not colors. Yeah. He'll throw color in when he needs it and you can tint it later, which he did in this one. Yeah, so. he did that a couple times. Yeah. It's not all black and white. Yeah, he, he doesn't do all black and white, but but I mean, like the Green Fog is like half like art project. Like, I don't know if I'd go as far to say it's a real movie. Uh, y- yeah, it's very experimental, right? Uh, but it works. Like, our, I haven't watched it yet, but it sounds like it works. Yeah, you should watch it. <laughs> wow, your l- wrist was like a just a spaghetti noodle it was an like overcooked a, spaghetti it was noodle like there. A, a dick in a guy madden movie yeah exactly just flopping, flopping all over the place <laughs> i 
Guy Madden. I just, I, yeah, I, I haven't know. watched He's... one since uh, Cowards. If like. I if if I hadn't already said Werner Herzog is my favorite filmmaker, I might say Guy Madden is. Oh really? I yeah. Just, I don't know. He gets me. <laughs> Something about those weird uh, Oedipal, uh queer. The questionably queer fever dreams that look like silent films from the early 1900s. Your your uh, the the machinations of your brain are also scattered black and white floppy dongs. I just feel seen, (laughs) you know. God bless him. I want him to keep making movies forever. I can't imagine his movies are very expensive. $40,000 $40,000 for this movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like most of the money must they have gone to... They made it in six weeks. It must have gone to, like, Isabella. Like, that must have been where most of the money went. I mean, it's crazy. Also, I feel like Guy Madden's somebody we could uh, reach out and touch. Maybe. Yeah. Just be like, hey. He doesn't seem like too big of a star. I mean, Film Forum was just like, hey, if we give you some money, do you want to make a movie? And he's like, okay. Well, yeah, what, he's an artist. Like, you don't turn down a gig. Yeah, so maybe that's what we, that's the angle. Oh, you have some money you want to offer him? Mm. It's exposure. We're paying him an exposure. You'll get our next Patreon deposit. <laughs> there you go. We'll have a, we'll have an ongoing uh, once a season segment, Gabin with Guy, <laughs> and he can just come on and talk about whatever he wants. Uh yeah, whatever weird silent Japanese movie he's currently obsessing over. I love it. I'd listen to that. Yeah. Well, any other brand upon the brain observations? Let me check the old notes. Uh, there is a scene when young guy is peeing in like what looks to be like a is that a wig? It's a chamber. Oh, wigs! The wigs. <laughs> God damn it, there's wigs in this movie. But it's like a wig in a basin of some sort that yeah, he's he peeing cut, in? Yeah, she cuts, mom cuts her hair short, and it all go, ends up in the chamber pot, and, and the guy wakes up sleepy, and he goes and he pees in the pot. I just, uh, the, the the line that the narrator says, uh, Relief. Cursed relief. Oh my God, there's so many quotable things. I didn't say any of them really here, but like. The one that made me laugh the most was Romania. 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 Well, are we gonna? Are we leaving the Maddenverse? <laughs> yeah, I've. Uh, I'm trying to make a pun about uh, going mad. Uh, uh, we're, we're we're gonna be far from the Madden crowd here soon. Okay. That's a that's a book, right? Far from the matting crowd is is. I read that in college. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to cut that second part out. Got and it. And just, I'll trust you. Okay. <laughs> this is this is maddening. What we're doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So next week, back by popular request, because we wanted him back. <laughs> That's popular enough. Oh, we're requesting. Him. Yeah. Okay. Travis Vogt, who's on several months back uh, for Nixon. He's coming on to do a movie of his choosing. Oh. One from our younger years. Okay. Okay. Uh, animated feature <gasps> by the name of Secret of Nim. Well, how about that? He won't be quite popping our Bluth bubble because of... Uh, Xanadu? Xanadu. Xanadu. Technically the, our first exposure to Bluth. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he, he asked to, to come on and, and, and talk about this one. Oh, so, so he requested it. He did, yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like popular demand requested, bring Travis back, <laughs> bring Travis back. Well, like you and I were chanting that like before and after the podcast. That's true, that's true. We just sit here being like, boy, when can we get Travis back? <laughs> I mean, I made this sign and everything. <laughs> You were picketing outside your own apartment today. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so no, he's coming back. Just Secret and Nim. All about it. We haven't done an animated movie in who knows how long. Yeah, cool. God, I hope it hasn't been since Brave Little Toaster. No, we did, like, The Little Mermaid. and Right. Um, Alice's 
kind of animated in a way. Sure, sure. Okay. Is that it? That might be it, yeah. Rock and roll? Rock and roll, yeah. Well, awesome. So, yeah. I love that guy. Next week, Secret of Nim with Traps Vote. We haven't done like a childhood favorite in a long time either. No, I don't think so. Perfect. Not unless you were watching Brand Upon the Brain as a a young I hope not. All right, well, let's plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. On the sordid topic of coin... Isabel Re- Rosalini's on my mind. Oh, yeah. Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash movies. Drop us some of that sordid, dirty, dirty coin. Plenty to plug in your ear holes there uh, on top of what you get for free. Yes. Oh, our Oscar special is up. Uh, I think this airs the week of the Oscars. So if you want to get on it right now, the Oscar special's up, and you can listen to us gab on for three hours with our friend of the podcast, Darren Dews. I think it only went like two hours this time, didn't it? I I don't know. I haven't put it up yet. Okay. <laughs> by, by the time this comes out, it will be up. Uh, yeah. So that's, so that's a, a very, very, very special. Once a year, this happens. Yes. Free ways to leave us love. Leave us review wherever you get the podcast. Yeah. Just, just drop them stars. Maybe a little three four words just being like fuck yeah listen here <laughs> i love that that's great um yeah we haven't gotten a review in a while and those always uh you know give us a little serotonin boost um and of course you can always uh reach out and touch us reach out touch us your gmails x dot rated dot movies at gmail.com <laughs> With the gmail comma x dot rated dot movies at oh gotcha okay don't make this longer than it has to be right <laughs> I know whenever I'm editing and I get to this part I'm always like god guys just get it out because <laughs> I loop the music and like whenever I'm getting like five six loops of it I'm like god damn it I'm doing it right now by the way uh where was I twitter Twitter's X-rated movies. Facebook is rated X movies. And our website, xratedmovies.com. All right. I think we're done here today. Yes. Until next week when we have Travis vote on for The Secret of Nim. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye-bye.